welcome to All About Agatha, the podcast dedicated to reading and ranking every single mystery novel written by the queen of crime, Dame Agatha Christie. I'm Catherine Brobeck. I'm Kemper Donovan. And this week we are returning to our, shall we call him a frenemy, Mr. Parker Pine? I think that's what we have called him once or twice. Mm-hmm. Where are we going in this one, Kemper? We are going to the Oracle at Delphi. Mm-hmm. That would be the title of this particular short story, first published in the U.S. in Cosmo, Cosmopolitan Magazine, in April 1933, as part of that collection of short stories entitled, Have You Got Everything You Want? If Not, Consult Mr. Parker Pine. This collection also included Death on the Nile, the Parker Pine Death on the Nile, of course, and The House at Shiraz. It was published in the UK in July of 1933, just a couple of months later, in Nash's Pall Mall. And in that magazine, it was within the collection of More Arabian Nights of Parker Pine. We have discussed that collection before. And then, of course, the story was collected as part of Parker Pine Investigates, which was published in the UK in November 1934. Tell us about our victim. It's Willard Peters, who's an amateur academic type, who's kidnapped and held for ransom. Kind of a poindexter. Very much a poindexter. <laughs> like the nerds in Revenge of the Nerds. Times are changing, Betty. These nerds are a threat to our way of life. If they win homecoming, they're going to take over the Greek council. I mean, Vintage. he's very much just pushing up his taped together glasses while he's reciting. He's got a pocket protector. Yeah, while reciting fun facts about Greek inscriptions. Yep. All right, let's talk about our suspects. First also, off, though, is- Kemper, I have to admit, I've probably been known to rattle off some fun facts about, you know, various architectural landmarks in the past. So There's a little bit of Willard Peters in both of us. I mean, we do host a podcast called All About Agatha, as it turns out. All right, let's move on to our suspects. First up, we've got Mr. Thompson, a heavyset, evasive-seeming fellow traveler in Greece. Then we have Demetrius, the black-browed, a mysterious letter-writing kidnapper. And last, we have Willard Peters himself, because why not? He's not exactly made out to be a suspect, but there are some hints that he is quote-unquote difficult, and his mother wasn't exactly enthusiastic about this Greek adventure that uh, Willard forced her to go on with his nerdly enthusiasms that he wanted to pursue. Willard is the apple of her eye, so she will do pretty much anything he asks, but, you know, perhaps this is all just a setup and the point Dexter Act is in fact an act, and uh, Willard is a uh, criminal mastermind. It does seem slightly possible at the beginning of the story. No, it does. I agree. That's not totally unwarranted. So, the world as it appears to be. Mrs. Willard J. Peters is a wealthy widow who I guess we're meant to believe is American, don't you think, Kemper? She seems American. There's definitely some idiom being used. You know, her husband's first name is Willard, which is slightly (laughs) unusual. (laughs) Right. Very, very typical of um, Christie's American-named characters. And there are some casual sides about British snobbiness, which seems unlikely to make her British. Right. Anyway, she's traveling with her son, Willard Jr. He hates being called Jr., by the way. And who's going to come to save you, Jr.? I told you! Don't call me Jr. 
And and Willard Jr., you know, he would be Indiana Jones, but only in his uh, dreams. So they're, they're traveling through Greece on an antiquities tour. This is, shall we say, not Mrs. Willard J. Peter's jam. Her spiritual homes are Paris, London, and the Riviera. And um, it's not that her hotel room in Delphi is terrible, per se. It's clean. It has a good view. But it is not a posh resort hotel. However, she's gone there because she absolutely adores Junior, and he adores antiquities. She tries to stay back from the tour of Delphi out of exhaustion, and she stays in this hotel with three fellow travelers, a balding, friendly man who is a new arrival, and an evasive, heavy-set man named Mr. Thompson who doesn't talk to her, but who does talk to the other British mother and daughter pairing. Um, and they don't speak to Mrs. Peters. Only the balding man is nice enough to talk to her. Right. So when Mrs. Peters gets back to her hotel room, she finds a note that the hotel proprietor says was left for her by a, quote, strange man, unquote, that afternoon. It is unfortunately a ransom note for her beloved Willard Jr. And it says that unless she comes up with 10,000 pounds sterling by the next day, Willard Jr.'s ears are going to get cut off. <laughs> it's a little shockingly violent, but there you go. And if she doesn't come up with the money by the following day, he will then be killed. Until that point, no harm will come to him. And, you know, of course, there is the caveat that she can't tell the hotel proprietor. She can't tell the police. She can't tell anyone. Oh, dear. Well, she is utterly distraught and she goes to pace outside considering whether she should, in fact, call the police. So she asked the hotel proprietor if he's seen any bad characters in the neighborhood as her son hasn't returned. And the man tells her, you know, that her son wished to walk home to take in more of the scenery and that, no, he hasn't seen any bad people and that the people in Delphi like foreigners. Apparently so much so that they want to keep their ears as souvenirs. <laughs> I mean, you know. you know. So after this, and after she frets a bit more about how she can't possibly access 10,000 pounds that quickly, she has slipped a note in the dining room alongside her course of fruit. More fructiferous tomfoolery, methinks. And that note reads, At Delphi, you can no longer consult the oracle, but you can consult... Wait for it. Mr. Parker Pine. Ooh. Then, as per usual, we get a copy of that oh-so-famous or perhaps infamous newspaper advertisement, Are You Happy? If not, consult Mr. Parker Pine. And, of course, Mrs. Peters quickly responds, asking for help and requesting to meet this Parker Pine outside. So outside, the gentleman who she's become hotel friends with meets her and reveals himself as Parker Pine on holiday. (gasps) I know! Quelle surprise! (laughs) She hysterically shows him the letter and he peruses it before reassuring her that he has an idea of what might work and that they will regroup in the morning and he will, of course, handle the plan because that is what he does. As they go back inside, they realize that they are being eavesdropped on by the man named Thompson, who is being so rude to Mrs. Peters. Mm. By the way, I was disappointed that the newspaper cutting was merely referenced, but not reproduced. I know, because we're so used to it just being like kind of ripped on the edges. The jagged edges. I wanted the jagged edges with like the other adverts above and below it. Right. (laughs) 
So the next morning, another ransom letter comes, this one recognizing that perhaps they were asking for a bit too much money, but that they know from her son, Mrs. Willard is in possession of an extremely expensive diamond necklace that they would happily take as ransom instead. She's to bring this necklace to an amphitheater at 6 a.m. the next day at sunrise and not to bring anyone with her. Mrs. Peters, of course, tells Parker Pine about this, and he has a plan. He says that he needs to make a phone call to figure a couple things out, and if she could be so kind as to guard the phone from eavesdroppers, that would be best. One of the people who is lurking conspicuously in that area is the aforementioned Thompson, who is also suspiciously asking the hotel proprietor about rental villas in the area. Well, that is very suspicious indeed, Kepper. (laughs) Anyway, Parker Pine brings in a jeweler from Athens named Aristopolis, who is going to take out the diamonds in the necklace and swap them for paste to fool the thieves. Cool plan, I guess. And so when he's done, the jeweler hands Mrs. Peters the original diamonds in a velvet bag, and they arrange for a swap the next morning, and she goes to bed extremely worried that her poor son's going to be murdered. That is sort of the end of the world as it appears to be, but it seems that our beloved, to some, Parker Pine, you know, has taken Mrs. Willard under his wing and that he's going to pull one of his fast ones on these unsuspecting kidnappers and save the day. We've seen, you know, hijinks with paste versus real jewels before, I believe in the case of the distressed lady. Mm -hmm. That was many moons ago, the third Parker Pine story within the Parker Pine Investigates collection. So perhaps there is a little bit more to these hijinks as well. Let's talk about the world as it actually is. The next morning, there is a knock on Mrs. Peters' door, and behind it is not Parker Pine, but Mr. Thompson. Uh-oh. And this is rot row. Don't don't go to prison, Kemper. (laughs) It's just ruined forever. I, as a loyal Scooby-Doo watcher as a child, forever loved using Rutro, and now I'm too afraid to use it in casual conversation. Oh, Felicity Huffman. That might be the worst thing that she did. It's actually not the worst thing that she did within that whole scandal, but in any case. uh Uh-oh, Mrs. Peters is aghast and notes that, of course, it had to have been this nasty, lurking Mr. Thompson the whole time. But then... Her son, Willard Jr., comes falling into the room, looking a little worse for wear, but with both ears. And he insists to his mother that, no, 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 she misunderstands. This Mr. Thompson is his savior, not his captor. And he also hands her back a bag with the diamond necklace in it and tells her that she needn't keep the chamois bag. So, um, what? What what is going on here? Well... Mr. Thompson had apparently indeed been eavesdropping on the conversation that Mrs. Peters had been having when she was so worried outside of the hotel and speaking to Mr. Parker Pine. So he took the hotel manager into his confidences and had the hotel staff listen in to Parker Pine's phone calls. And it seems that Mrs. Peters' friend... Now, quote-unquote Parker Pine, uh uh-oh, where are we going, Kemper? Was actually arranging for a series of villa exchanges to pull off the jewel theft. And the paste jewels were the jewels in the bag handed to Mrs. Peters while the necklace still held all the originals. They were in the process of being stolen. 
Right. So the necklace, the real thing was what was actually brought to the amphitheater and offered up to these kidnappers. Right. Yep. It was a double switcheroo. Well, it was actually no switcheroo at all because the necklace was the necklace that was handed over to the thieves. In the same way that a double negative is an affirmative. True. (laughs) A double double switcheroo is a (laughs) non-aroo. Yes. Correct. The Peterses are shocked and Willard Jr. is impressed that Mr. Thompson could have been so clever to see through this ruse from afar. And Mr. Thompson insists that he's not all that clever. It's just that, you know, there was one very good reason why he got involved. And, you know, I'll be honest with you at this point, Catherine, before the final twist of the story, I'm thinking to myself, God, is this how it ends for Mr. Parker Pine? I mean, we've seen him flout the law before and be a little gaslight some people yeah i mean you know play a little loose with morals even just beyond a sort of extrajudicial maneuvering that we see from our dear Hercule Poirot. I mean, he he really takes it, I think, a bit further in some of these previous stories, especially the non-traveling ones. But as they say, a, a leopard can't really change its spots. So perhaps Mr. Parker Pine has just gone to the dark side and, and he is a criminal. But Mr. Thompson then tells the Willards that very simple reason for why he got involved. And it was that one tends to notice and not particularly like when one's name is taken in vain while traveling incognito. Hmm. What what exactly am I talking about, Catherine? Mr. Thompson is Parker Pine. (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. The entire time the quote unquote Mr. Thompson is in fact Parker Pine and the man who holds himself out to Mrs. Willard as Parker Pine is, of course, not Parker Pine and our thief, our would-be thief. Can I um, add my own fan fiction element to this, Kemper? (laughs) Please. All right. So my theory on this story is that the man presenting himself as Mr. Parker Pine is somebody who, in one of those earlier Parker Pine stories, was inadvertently, you know, wronged or deliberately wronged by Mr. (laughs) Parker Pine's London-based schemes. And so this man, seeing what Mr. Pine is capable of in London, Mm -hmm. has just taken that show on the road. (laughs) Because we never really find out the man's motivations, but this is my theory about what it all goes back to. I think that's a fair reading. I like that little conspiracy theory. you know, how else does he know about, you know, the various techniques and ruses of Parker Pine? Of Parker Pine. No, it's true. And it seems he he obviously wants those diamonds, but there are other ways to go about stealing diamonds than impersonating Mr. Parker Pine. It seems a circuitous route, so he perhaps has an axe to grind. I mean, you know, perhaps also he had a, you know, longstanding relationship somewhere in the distant past with Madeline de Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I do think, I mean, it is clever. We should give Christy her due here because there isn't a whole lot of physical description of Parker Pine within this collection. In the first story in the collection, we are told that he was large, not to say fat, He had a bald head of noble proportions, strong glasses, and little twinkling eyes. And then in this story, when Mrs. Peters is in the dining room, she, you know, meets the various people. And we are told that Thompson is a plump, 
middle-aged gentleman who had rescued a suitcase for her when she got off the train, and that this newcomer, who then holds himself out to be Mr. Parker Pine, is a, quote, middle-aged gentleman with a bald head. So both of those men sound Parker Pineish, and I think she is using the fact that she's been fairly vague about right. Parker Pine's appearance to her benefit. She's not vague about Hercule Poirot's appearance. I don't think you could do the same thing here in a Poirot story, or even in a Marple story, even though Miss Marple's appearance changes when she magically gets younger as the years go by. But it's clever. <laughs> a, lot, a lot less lace. For Miss yes, Marple. a lot less lace. The white hair magically goes gray. <laughs> right, right. The Benjamin yeah. buttoning. Um, yeah, but Parker Pine is sort of anonymous outside of his um, actual antics. Yeah, so, there's a, there are a lot of large-ish, bald men, aren't there? Apparently in this story. And <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of an odd story, well, for a number of reasons, but... One of the most troubling things is it doesn't feel very resolved, right? It's a little bit like in the Gate of Baghdad, how we never really know how it's resolved after they're like, oh, well, we have a bunch of dead bodies now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that's her playing loose with the short story form. This is a little trick on the reader. And once the trick is revealed, the story's over. It's no, not, you know. I, yeah. I mean, because there's also this sort of plot element that the real Parker Pine He's aware of villa, villa rentals being used to exchange jewels. And it's a little unclear where that comes from, why he's, he's asking. He's got an insight that. into the criminal mindset, perhaps because he's somewhat of a criminal himself. <laughs> Very true. But all the elements are, you know, the story makes sense, right? And so it's clever in how it is resolved. But at the same time, none of the process how it's resolved really makes any sense. This is a one of her slight mysteries. But as far as a Parker Pine goes, I wasn't mad at it. No, I mean, possibly because there's very little Parker Pine in it. <laughs> or we're not even aware that Parker Pine is there when he is there until after the fact, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. You'll have to forgive me that I go write that uh, fan fiction now about um, the fleshed out stories of the origin of the man pretending to be Parker Pine. (laughs) Well, I believe that we have just one more traveling Parker Pine story left in this collection. And then the final story within the collection is a domestic mystery. We are back in England. So we are, you know, really nearing an end of the Parker Pine stories. And that makes me a little sad. How do you feel about it, Catherine? I'm more sad that we're coming to an end of the traveling ones, which I actually sort of enjoy. Yeah, no, I I do too. But take heart that there's one more that we will cover at some point in the near-ish future. So that is The Oracle at Delphi. Join us next time for our next novel episode, Crooked House. Very excited for this, Kemper. Very excited for this one. This is a fan favorite, Christy, and I think that it is going to do very well, actually, within our rankings. At least for me, it will. Perhaps Catherine will just uh, oh, have a negative reaction to it. Oh, are you making me out to be the difficult one now? I'm already calling you out here. I'm, I'm setting the stage for my vehement arguments for it to be ranked quite high. But uh, yeah, that will be an interesting standalone, Christy, to, yes, it will. to cover next. 
And in the meantime, we would love to hear from you. You can visit our Patreon site if you'd like to check out our episodes there. We are at www.patreon.com slash allaboutagatha. You can email us at allaboutthedame@gmail.com. We are on Twitter at All About the Dame. Catherine is at Brobcat. Our Facebook page is All About Agatha, and our Instagram handle is at All About Agatha. Please take a moment and rate and review us. It helps other people find the podcast. We very much appreciate it, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.